Welcome to Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Do you know your GDPR from your ISO? Is your business cyber secure? If not, give agency a call on 03455 760 999. You can visit their website at www.theagency.com. An agency is with an I, not a Y. Welcome to this week's episode in a uh, really short intro. So today I'm talking to Nathan and James from Chaos Theory VR Arcade, and uh, which I'm not sure I even said right on the uh, introduction to the podcast. Um, Today we talk everything VR. Um, it's a really exciting episode and this is the one that will be um, kind of finishing off season two whilst I go and do some uh, other interviews. Um, I've already recorded them and they are really, really interesting, but also they may be uncomfortable for some people to listen to. So when I start season three, um, I'm going to give caveats and um, kind of trigger warnings just before we start. Um, for now, have a great September, October time, and uh, I shall see you very soon, starting with season three. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by James and Nathan from Chaos Theory VR. Arcade. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, it's good. We, we have been chatting for some time, so I think what we're, what we're kind of going to do now is uh, really start talking about virtual reality. Um, and the reason I've kind of come to you guys is because you are in the early phases of going out, introducing VR to people. Um, yeah. We'll talk about the setup that you've got and the new exciting in the back of the truck setup. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then kind of what, what it is that you're finding, what virtual reality is, and some of the stuff that we've just been talking about pre-recording in terms of visual feedback and stuff like that. Yeah, Absolutely. So how did yeah how did you come to set up the company? What 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 was that about? How did that come about? I mean, in all honesty, it all just came out of a huge overexcitement with the technology when we first used it. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, when when I when I was very young, then I was able to test out some stuff at Epcot. They had some like really rudimentary stuff that was hanging the whole off your face and you know, the biggest yeah. stuff you ever had, and that kind of that has always been playing in the back of my mind and every single computer game that I've ever played um, on, you know, on the Xbox, PlayStation, whatever it would be, you always in your mind go, how good would it be if I was just inside there? And then it turned out they went and made it uh, and they made it quite well. Yeah. So yeah, we got very excited. Uh, we bought our first machine, which was a big 9D simulator that moved around and had a headset and, and, um, and it kind of took off from there because once you throw some cash into it, you've really got to go. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the moment, it's it's quite expensive, isn't it? In terms of, I mean, saying that gaming has always been expensive, and for me, it's a brilliant marketing strategy. I know when they first brought the kind of big consoles out, they always did it in November, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of when the the AAA rated games tend to come out, isn't it? The one month before the time you can actually buy them for your kids, so you end up buying them in advance. So, what was what was the first VR experience that you had? Oh, it's awesome. the remote control cars. Um, James basically, like you said, got in, fell in love with the technology, got overexcited, bought remote control cars, put VR cameras on the front of them. We took them down to Manchester Velodrome. 
put the VR headset on and then you were able to drive the car as if you were the fur as if you were in the front seat uh, on mm-hmm. the BMX track in the velodrome. But then the second time was Southeast Asia, seeing people makeshift um, VR to put the headset on and then just have like a piece of wood with chains coming off the side of it. So when people are on the roller coaster, they're holding on and they're just kicking it. So then they get that kind of feeling as if they're actually playing. And seeing the amount of people that were actually surrounded them with makeshift VR, I actually thought when I come, when we come home, this is it's going to blow up because if it's already happening in Southeast Asia with the yeah. military tools, maybe yeah, it must absolutely. be a lot better. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I had to as soon as it came out, I started having to jump into it. So the first one was the, that Google Cardboard, um, which was excellent. But then, uh, you know, they had their fun little mobile games. I was, I was actually more than happy with that. I was still blown away with it. But then I had to get one of the big headsets. And fortunately, you can get those kind of V-port subscriptions. So it wasn't just one experience I tried on the first day of that. I think I was stuck in there for about three days doing absolutely every <laughs> game that you possibly could. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I know there was that bloke that was on YouTube and he, uh, he spent a month in it. It felt a little bit like yeah. that because I was definitely doing a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. Just going until all the batteries yeah. were- <laughs> almost almost trying everything out until until <laughs> until the technology failed on you and batteries ran out and things exactly like that. that yeah exactly that okay so how yeah i'm just thinking about so i i i have the same kind of passion as you and and i've in fact i still have to this date the very very first kind of um what was it what was the bloody game it's just dropped out of my head but that you know the little to, it looked like an arrow shape and you put it up to your head and you were the car that kind of went round other yeah. cars. I've forgotten the name. It's called Thumper. But, um, is it on rails? No. Oh. Anyway, so it's, it's mine, mine started as a, a young child that this was like the first kind of technology that you could get into that you were the car and you moved round. And yeah. then I kind of thought, yeah, Tron. Right, so this is where we're heading, isn't it? We are going to be Tron. We are going to be at the point where um, Ready Player One isn't yeah. so far in the distance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So, obviously, I've had lots of conversations with you behind this particular episode. How do you find it when you take this virtual reality kit out into the world and offer it up for people to have a go on? Um, what are you What are you finding? So let's let's let everybody know about how difficult this is yeah i mean it's 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 really 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 surprised us because obviously people like us we've just gone yeah that's amazing give it to me Mm -hmm. i want to try it immediately and we presume that everybody would be like that and it is just not the case whatsoever the the world is still very very cautious of this new technology i mean it's so hard to i mean we've been doing it for a year and a half now of, of just taking it to people and giving it to people and it's, it's really hard even giving it away for free to get people to put the headset on unless someone they're already seeing someone else do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a completely different world. When they're looking at it, they're like, well, I don't need to have a look at that. I've played a computer game before because they can see it on the 2D screen. Yeah. But as soon as you get that headset on, it is a, it, it is a completely different world. You, I mean, the expanse of it just blows you away before you've even seen you know, the, the mystical world that's been created or this digital kind of creation that's in front of you. And it, it really has proved quite difficult just to just to get people to give it a go and i mean the people that have given it a go are the the show-offs for for the most part and they're (laughs) they're doing it which is which is all good yeah 
Uh, but I mean, they, they're happy to stand there and go, look, I'll give it a go and, and, and show off in front of their friends. And then that really kicks things off because they go, oh my God, you have to try this out. And it, yeah. and it spreads around. It's, it's, it's people's emotive response, first of all. So they, first of all, they see it, see it on a 2D screen and then they go, oh, it's just like playing a PlayStation, PS4, Xbox. Mm. Until you actually tell them, you know what, stand in there, put the headset on for a second. Don't You don't actually have to play. Just have a look around this world and then see whether you want to come out or stay in yeah. most people once they've done that and they've gone oh actually it's not at all what i thought it was going to be on the screen it is now this whole immersive 3d world that i can actually interact with i can look around and kind of get involved in so a lot of people don't actually come out of the headset once they've tried it on and they've seen it it's that first initial mm-hmm. i feel as though i'm going to be judged or looked at from the outside perspective because I can no longer see what's happening on the outside world I think that's what the bridging the gap is between that but I think that's a really good point because yeah. even to this day every single time we go somewhere someone will put it on they go oh they look like an idiot don't they and it's like oh am I gonna look like an idiot when I put this on <laughs> it's like well I mean <laughs> gonna look like yeah if, 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 if you think that with a headset <laughs> on and moving around in a virtual space makes you look like an idiot then yeah you will but yeah. it, it's it's not really about that is it I mean it's just something that's so new that people aren't really understanding what it's about. And I think another really good good um, example of this is with people thinking that it's like a computer game. I have a friend who's an intensely active person. He, would, he wouldn't be caught dead playing computer games ever. He's like, that's a waste of time. I'm sat down. Mm-hmm. What, I, I'm not interested at all. And I was like, mate, you're going to have to give this a go because, yeah, sure, it's a computer game, but it's also pretty active. This is kind of the thing that you like. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure whipped it on he was in there for hours he was like this is the best thing i have ever done in my life i mean why have i never played computer games before i was like it's not a computer game mate. it's virtual reality this is this is why you like it it's that distinction actually as you were both talking i'm i'm thinking actually this has been the same in terms of um uh, going to the cinema so as, as you were talking i was like oh my god that reminds me of the time when I first took uh, my children off to the IMAX and we did the, you know, going onto the ocean, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you were wearing the big 3D glasses, which almost look like those comedy ones from the seaside, don't they? They're massive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think my, my youngest was about seven at the time and he tried to grab one of the bubbles. And I was like, wow, that, this is what it does. This is kind of the immersive um, trickery that happens on your brain. Yeah. Once, once you put that headset on, you, you can actually get, I'm going to kind of talk a bit like a therapist now. Um, you, you get this subject-object difference, and it's it's really kind of difficult for people to wrap their heads around that when you see it on the screen, so say person A is wearing the headset, person B is looking at the screen, they're not quite understanding what person A is seeing because they're not getting the subject-object distancing. They're, they're not able to see that when you look up in the virtual reality room, you are looking up. Yeah, and your brain cannot tell the difference. This is why I'm so excited, is because your brain cannot tell the difference. It goes, "Oh my God, this is where I'm stood corporeally in the world. My feet are on this floor, and yet when I look down, I'm not seeing my feet on this floor. I'm seeing my feet in this world." Yeah, and it's, it's such. Oh, for me, it's just such a bizarre experience, but one that gets me really excited. And I'm like, "Oh, this is so amazing." Um, you know, just been talking about getting uh, role playing, cosplay, you know, into the virtual worlds that you could never imagine, going into space. It's it's all that kind of stuff about actually, I'm I'm not going to be able to afford to get on um, the jet, 
that's going to go up, whether it's either Elon Musk or Richard Branson. You know what? I've been to the moon uh, on Apollo 11 because yeah. I put the VR headset on and off I went. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. And, and I mean, with, with you losing yourself in there, I mean, it's a really good idea. When I, when I first got it, when the, the, the HC Vibes we bought, and it came with Fallout 4, which is obviously a big old title. Mm. And um, I mean, I, I, I've never been big into Fallout. There's a lot of walking <clears> around, and this, this was no different in VR. So I'd spent hours tra- traipsing around, picking things <laughs> up, doing whatever. Yeah. But it gone. It, it got to about four hours in that I was still in there, and my phone started ringing in my pocket. And I looked down at my pocket, and I couldn't see my phone. And I was like, "What? I can feel it. Where am I? What's going on?" And I, I, it took me such a long time to realise that actually my phone was. I had to take the headset off to do all this kind of stuff. I was just looking, going, "It's not there. I'm, I'm in a machine." It took it took far longer than your brain should take to figure that kind of stuff out mm-hmm. when you play the game. Good thing, yeah, we, we, still, we still get shocked at different different games that come out, different experiences. So at the beginning, you start doing the little ones, you start going through it, and you're, I suppose, you kind of lose that bit of that, that shock and awe because then yeah. once you start playing more and more, you start getting lost in bigger worlds and stuff like that. So it starts to ramp up. So a lot of people that normally start on a lot easier games, things like that, where they've got possibly the 180 kind of up and down and then they start going into these massive expansive yeah. worlds where they can lose yourself for days on end. Uh, I think that's the kind of ramp up that we've definitely gone through anyway in terms of now we want bigger games, bigger titles, more I suppose shiny lights and fluffy stuff to come at you and you can kind of be a bit more interactive with the games as well. Yeah and and as I mean I was saying earlier I do get excited I do also worry that um, your statement there you can be lost for days that 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 kind of makes me go. Oh my goodness! We're going to have lots and lots of problems with people already forgetting to go to the toilet, um, because y- you can actually be in the middle of the game and you're so engrossed in what you're doing, you kind of disconnect from your your bodily sensations. Um, but actually, James, the the example you gave is similar to that one I was talking about when the dog sneezed. Um, yeah. you, you were snapped back into your kind of corporeal body. Yeah of something that was happening in in this world and yet your mind was in another one yeah we, absolutely it's i mean not only is it exciting it also has this double-edged sword about going that's really quite disturbing yeah no i mean it, it does and uh, there are always going to be these worries about it i mean at the end of the day you're knocking out a whole lot of your senses Mm. And replacing them with these digital ones yeah. so you know there's there's going to be some issues there i mean i was reading something really rather boring about um fire safety that you have to have in vr arcades and this is proving a, a real tricky one because people's ears are covered up because they're inside the game and their eyes are covered up yeah. so how do you start seeing fire alarms or hearing fire alarms if they're all going off inside an arcade and nobody's left you there yeah there's going to be a way around it you know you're going to be able to feed it into the the headphones itself and speak to people or or do other stuff like that but it does mean that we just have to start thinking slightly different because we are taking those senses out of the game effectively Mm -hmm. putting them into the game but you know what i mean well that's that's what we were talking about just before wasn't it is my my interest is in terms of um, this this polyvagal theory. So um, the the article that I did on um, kind of being in this immersive technology is right now we're kind of overlapping and, and superseding 
different senses but it won't be long before we're actually stood on a platform that rumbles so that we're, we're getting the sen you know the visceral sensations of what it would be like to be on a different terrain yeah. we will get uh, i think you were saying nathan you know the smells that are going to be incorporated actually we are soon going to override everything about the real world into this virtual and then that does bring about you know so what happens if you're sitting in your living room and the smoke alarm's going off in the kitchen and actually you're so engrossed in your own game how do you even how do you even comprehend that something's happening in your real world because you might get a smell of smoke and go oh there must be a fire in the game rather than shit i need to go and kind of turn the, turn the cooker off yeah. <laughs> that might be a problem yeah. um so I can see that there might be quite a few disasters, which no doubt will get blamed on the gaming industry. Sure. Uh, there's, there's my prediction for what the media will do. I think there will be this, people are becoming so engrossed in what they're doing that that will now enhance the gaming disorder diagnoses that we've got. Mm. Again, it's not quite the same, is it? Because immersive is different to addictive. Sure. That again, that's just my take on it, and I will kind of be probably writing an article. I'm now going, oh, I now need to write an article. <laughs> going, hmm, maybe we need the gaming industry to kind of start taking, um, taking sense of this because this is exactly what's going to happen. The better the games get, the more the senses become part of the game, the more it's going to detach us from the real world, and then we will all have kind of the blame put on it's the games, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a common theme at the moment, which is mm -hmm. rather disappointing because I mean, all, all of the studies that we've been doing at the moment, um, because uh, this is a big part of us, we want to be, you know, helping <coughs> young people as opposed to hindering them. And the way that we see this is that it is a really good way to like not only increase strategic thinking, but, you know, also, especially with VR, it's got the whole active aspect to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and and it, it is problem solving and, and team play and community and it's all of this good stuff that's all rolled into one really fun thing to do and something that children will happily pick up and, and yeah. by God do they pick it up so quickly. So easily. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, and so it, it's have, yeah, that's because they don't have the... Sorry, I did interrupt you then because this is where I do get excited. Children already do this before the age of seven without any help from anybody. It's called imagination yeah. and play. And, and that's why they kind of go, oh, this is just an extension of who I am. Yeah. I can be a dragon, I can be a wooden chair, I can be, you know, and they're kind of like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. I find it's the adults that go, so some of the technology I have is really, really simple um, biofeedback. So it's about heart rate variability. It's a very, very boring game in terms of you've got to go from the red to the blue to the green just by changing your breath. And they kind of go, oh, I don't know if technology can help, Kath. Uh, and I show it to the kids and they go, well, where's, where's the gamification in this one, Kath? Where's my reward points? Mm -hmm. Right, so you need to be on the game where we're doing jet skis. Yeah, I'd like to be in VR, thank you very much. Yeah. And it's almost like they go, I want to do this. Adults have got this huge... Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> much. Technology! But, I mean, it, it is this switch though, isn't it? Because, I mean, certainly when I was growing up, playing computer games, yeah, you're allowed to, but you're not allowed to for too long. It'll yeah. rot your brain away. And, um, you know, that, that was very much, the, it's been the theory that's gone on for the whole life, really. Yet now we're seeing this complete change where people have turned it into careers. They're making millions of pounds in sports doing it. At the same time, it does have these benefits, with, especially when you move into the health kind of, uh, the VR kind of space for the health. Yeah. But it, there is a, there's a dynamic switch in the way that we're looking at computer games and how they can work. And hopefully, you know, everything that you're saying about uh, 
how we can help people with it in, in a psychological way as well yeah. it is it's very much part of that movement of, of switching around and it, you know those things are hard if you're disrupting some kind of thought process like that it's going to take a real while mm. VR, the good thing about vr is that it's also bridging that gap between the 2d pc games where a kid would sit there in front of a pc screen yeah teacher and the rest of your class behind you and you're doing all this normal clicking stuff and you go through that kind of world whereas we're not taking that child into that immersive world where they're actually now starting to um get their own concepts and kind of drawing yeah. their own imagination into the game and actually start communicating with the teachers and stuff like that whereas before it's very much there's a screen there's you you're not you've got that disconnect between you and your actual avatar or your actual character yeah. which then gives you the disconnect between your kind of mental health where you're trying to do the the usual clicking of of a normal 2D game, whereas when you start putting a virtual classroom in there, you can start putting the teachers in the headsets, so they're actually talking to them um, and going through that kind of trauma um, recovery stages with them while they go actually go through the, the different levels. Well, that, that's what I'm so excited in terms of working with trauma. There's a lot of, um, so in, in trauma, children disconnect from what's going on in their real body because um, Trauma isn't actually this this thing that we think about. It's actually a felt uh, a felt sense. Okay. So quite often, children who have experienced um, so I work a lot with children who have experienced child sexual abuse. Um, they've been in domestic abuse situations. So what they tend to do is anything that's visceral is they disconnect from it. And what I have found is when children have been doing the kind of 2D stuff, it's very boring. It's very cognitive, and they go, "Yeah, well, that's what she's doing, climbing over that mountain," and um, so I don't tend to do games like Zelda and that. So if, if I just talk about kind of the Wii, they go, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to do this and we'll go on the carnival games and I'll play this one way. You've got to get the hoop. And, oh, that's really crap. There's no connection with excitement. There's no connection with fear. There's no connection with the real big emotions. VR, totally different. Because yeah. something about, oh, 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 I nearly got, oh, oh. And I've, I've noticed that children just suddenly go bang and they're back in touch with all of these feelings. But in what? what i perceive as a really safe way so yeah. there isn't enough studies to say that it's completely safe for trauma but mm -hmm. what we were talking about in the last episode that i did was this kind of virtual sand tray and i think you you described one as well nathan didn't you about um the mind most yeah there is something about children can become agents uh, of their own autonomous power and that provides the mastery and actually that's how you get to the recovery stage whether you're a child or, or an adult, it's all about how do I become the hero of my own journey and how do I master the issue that I'm facing? You yeah. start face your own fears within VR and then yeah. have someone actually help you talk you through your emotional responses to it. Yeah. You just being left alone to your own devices where your mind's able to wander, you're actually able to have someone there to go, actually, have you thought about it this way, thought about it that way? If you had X person in front of you, family member or X, what would you want to say to him? Okay, let's do it in a nice, calming environment where you change their whole environment to forest, to space, whatever makes that child feel comfortable, mm -hmm. that person feel comfortable. You can change their whole world to kind of match that to that person. So I like the individualness of, a, of, of that kind of Fair yeah, I'm, I'm really excited in terms of um, working, working with clients. One of the things, um, so it's, it's what's called a gestalt technique. You do this thing where you have um, two chairs. Uh, and I'm not going to tell everybody how to do it because they'll probably go and try, and try and replicate it themselves. And it needs to be done in a therapeutic setting. But essentially, you are facing 
a particular person in, in um, so it might be for a child, the parent that they could never say no to. Mm-hmm. And what, what you do is you kind of go through this, this technique. Well, you're talking to an imaginary space. My head has gone, and I would love somebody to design this, by the way. I'm actually going to put this out as a, um, a request now. So gaming industries, please help, help us therapists. Um, you could actually design that person. You could design that avatar. You could make them sit in the chair. And can you imagine, you know, just for a child, being able to make this parent extra wide, extra tall, extra short, you know, and take that power away from them. So perhaps, I don't know, perhaps the parent was, I don't know, seven foot eight, and this child is able to go, actually, I want to make them as small as a mouse and I want to feel the power over them. And I'm like, wow, that would be amazing. Now, I know I know the digital sand tray will allow for some of that, but this two-chair work would be helpful. Um, it would be great if we could introduce it into the transactional analysis world, if we could bring it into child trauma. Um, the way that we do things viscerally in a real-world room, I could actually do this. I could help a child build a space rocket, and we could get in the space rocket and go to, you know, the land where nobody ever hurts them, and it's a bit Disney-esque and... I, for me, oh, the 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 realms of this are phenomenal. I mean, th- this is this is really making me smile because it's just reminded me of Harry Potter when he's got his boggarts and uh, doing his ridiculous spells when they all come into their fears. But I mean, someone has all actually already made the program that you're talking about there. Um, although I don't think you can change the the avatar, but the idea is that you are facing yourself. So it will it'll create an avatar of yourself and then you're sat in a therapy room and it, it starts off with Sigmund Freud, I believe, and then Sigmund Freud turns into you. And then you're supposed to tell all of your concerns and worries and what everything else to yourself. And then it flips around and you're then the therapist and you've got to t- talk back. So it, it is slightly different, but I mean, certainly a variation on the thing. Yeah, well, I need, I, I need that program. I need, I need a lot of things when it comes to digital technology. I have noticed I do a lot of that. I go, yeah, that'd be really helpful for in my therapy room in brackets for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, and that's actually, that is one of the things that I am trying to, uh, as, as I've discussed with you, I am trying to get my profession to really wrap their heads around how, powerful and yeah how how much this is going to help so i know um kind of we were talking earlier about we're not that far from um kind of technology making big big changes and i know it's a little bit black mirrorish to go actually it won't be long before we just put something on the side of our head a la ali brooker um but there is there is something about this technology is going to enhance what we can do in the health industry massively and my profession is so scared of this technology. I'm not going to say naive. I'm going to say cautious, worried, scared, frightened, <laughs> terrorized, because it's kind of, but, but we do talking, Cass. And I'm like, but this is a way of talking. This is a way, this is a way of kind of bypassing the defenses. It's a way of bypassing the issues that get in the way of, uh, I'm not going to tell you the truth about how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, but the body does. So what I notice a lot in terms of when I'm working with clients is they'll, they'll say one particular thing, but their body gives away totally different story. Absolutely. This is the way into that somatic experience. Very much so. I mean, one of the hardest things in, in life anyway is trying to get what is inside your head conveyed to another person. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this technology by rights, if, if, if you use the right kind of equipment, you can just take people into your head instead, 
which is a completely different way of looking at it. You know, if, if you've yeah. got all of that flexibility and that ability to create anything that you can conceive, then you can show people as opposed to having to describe it with words that possibly don't even exist. So there's like oh. VR artists at the moment that are doing full, massive scale 3D models of what they envision, and then you're able to actually walk into the artwork. So if it was the same kind of thing um, for somebody who's going through therapy, they're able to then design and draw exactly what they're thinking and feeling in their mind. And then the person focused on the other side is able to actually look at it live and go, okay, cool. I can actually see what's actually happening here. I can see these slightly bits are a bit darker than others um, and try and help them in that way. My God, it's Mary Poppins. We're <laughs> jumping into our own chalk. chalk. Yeah, it is exactly that, yeah. yeah. Exactly that. So... I, oh my god! I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up doing the part of this podcast is now gonna be like and oh my god and oh my god so I'm gonna try <laughs> framed in here. So, what about what about the stuff that isn't for the healthcare? Because this is just generically what what kind of games do you, think you could describe for people? So one of them one of them that I know you have that I I actually play here at home, um, and I'm really frustrated because I'm stuck at one of the levels and it's become my nemesis at the moment. Um, um, Beat Saber. Okay. So, um, Beat Saber, I, I DJ'd a long time ago in my past, if you like. So I, I kind of approach it in a very different way to everybody else in my house. House, I'm jigging away to the beat instead of doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> but there is something about that get. I mean, for me, there's something about it transitions across to the kind of Jedi. So the the bit that I really loved was you hold these two kind of. Um, uh, so I've got the PS4 version, right? Yeah. So you've got the move controllers, and when you cross them, they kind of give you a bit of visceral feedback. <laughs> yeah. Really, really good for the Jedi in all of us. That was our favourite as well. Yeah. Forever you're just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So when when you take this out, what do you find? What do you find are the games that people are interested in? Which ones? You know, do you find that people want to come up and be the Jedi and go? Oh, I'll do that one rather than some of the other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, actually, because you want to be able to show everybody everything because there's, there's such great stuff. But <laughs> when you're showing it in, and you, I mean, you've only got 5, 10, 15 minutes to give people a go in the kind of scenarios that we're going to because there could be a party, it could be just out in the street, whatever it may be. They're not going to be stood there for hours and then playing. So games like Beat Saber are perfect because you've got a high score, you've got a song that you're going to go through and you can defeat it and you can compete against other people. So those ones are the ones that we're really jumping up. I mean, Space Pirate Train is another one, which is the one that you, your son got the highest score on uh, when mm -hmm. we were at Body Power, which is excellent, um, which is effectively Space Invaders, but, you know, all, all modernised and you've got a shield and a gun and you're shooting robots from the sky, another wave shooter type thing. Um, and you've, you've, got, you've got quite a few of those games now. And I know that people got of them when it first came out they're like oh not another wave shooter not another one of these because you had your Arizona sunshine with your zombies as well mm. but actually these are the best ones to to get people into it and started with it I mean if you think about the old the arcades of old that's all these things ever were you know it was effectively wave shooter after wave shooter or maybe a bit of a platforming but you still had to go through and get a high score and it was finite you know, there was a certain amount of stuff you could do. You weren't going off and exploring whole worlds and realms for hours and then, um, which, you, which you do now. So I think those are the best ones at the moment just to bring people in. I think, I think we do really need to drag everything back and go, okay, look, this is what it does. This is how it looks. 
This is the world that you can look around and this is the little game you can play at the minute and don't overload the senses too much. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, as soon as you put people in... One of my favourite games is Pavlov VR, which is effectively Counter-Strike for virtual reality. So, you know, you're doing your Call of Duty type Ooh. stuff. It's right. very, very cool indeed. I love it so much. So you're walking around, you're in a whole... You've, you've got exact all the same kind of... Uh, they, they build various different levels so you've got the counter-strike levels you've got your golden eye levels you know the n64 ones which just blew my mind because <laughs> that was the game back in the day um but then at the same time you've got all of these different mechanics of how you've got to load the gun and you've got to load each gun differently and so when you run out you've got to do all this malarkey and cocking and everything like that and that is intense for people you know if you're putting them in there for the first time not only have they got this whole world around them they've now got to learn which buttons to click i mean it's it's all second nature to me now and it's only a bit of trigger action but when they're there it's all too much to figure out so simplicity i think is key for this this first wave or or people who are trying for the first time um yeah I, well, I, I've also noticed, so that there are certain games that are, well, games, there's like experiences and then there's games, but you yeah. also have the different POVs as well. Um, so in terms of, I think when I first tried out the PS4, obviously you just download everything. When when it first came out, it was like download everything as a trial just to see what it was. Yeah. That I found it difficult. I think the game's Moss, the little mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, you're doing this third-person perspective, watching this really cute mouse, and you kind of get enthralled in. Oh, look at it! It's like no, I'm supposed to be fighting. I'm supposed to. Be fighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I have noticed that the games that I tend to give people tend to be similar to like the Wii. It's all about the movement, and you know, just do this, hit this, hit that. You don't need to remember anything. Yeah. Cognitive overload is is really difficult, and that's the pressure that you're talking about there. Um, but I, I I'm I'm quite interested in terms of how how we can make these games really really simple because at the moment you've got to kind of have this big headset on yeah. that takes you like 30 40 seconds to kind of sort out and put it on and you've got to kind of get everything in focus, haven't you? Yeah. Then you kind of try and find these you know you've got to look down in the real world and then try and find the non-existent move uh, so on and so forth. How do you think? How do you think we can make this much more simple going forward? Now, this might not be a question for you; it might be for developers. But what what do you think will help us? The way I see this going is, I, I don't think it will be such an issue. I mean, the reason that the mechanics are so difficult at the moment is because it's pulling us too far away from what happens in the real world. Once people are in there, they automatically think they're in the real world, just with this different environment. That's mm-hmm. the way their their minds kind of working from what from what I've seen, and. So therefore, so as I say, we've got the HTC vibes which come with these certain ones and they've got buttons in, in places that they think is the best place. You know, you've got a little tracker underneath your thumb, you've got some squeezes so then you can pick things up, you've got triggers so you can interact with things as well. But that's, that's not natural. If you don't know that automatically, if you don't own one, then you're not going to pick everything up straight away. So, I mean, with your Xbox controller, everybody now knows that. But if someone picks up a PlayStation controller, they struggle with that a bit. No, 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 no. no. I'm going to say, no, even 35 years down the line, I still look at a keyboard to make sure that the keys haven't moved. You know, <laughs> even, even with a, a controller, I sometimes double check where the X is, even though I know where the X is. <laughs> well, to be fair, they do jump. They do jump. Some of us haven't quite transitioned into that. No, it's still there, Kath. Right. <laughs> 
but I, I think what will happen is those controllers are just going to disappear. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're already seeing it. We were talking about the holodeck before. You know that that is definitely the way to give you the immersion for moving around, having to move around with a with some kind of trackpad. It takes away from the immersion. It does. I mean, you, yeah. it, it's not the worst, but it does take it away. If you can move with your feet, then already you're there. They've already got gloves which have tensile and force feedback on there, so you can yeah. feel like the texture of something as well as like how heavy or, or how strong it might be or how squeezy it might be. Um, and so it, it's not too far from that. And that uh, personally, I think that's exactly where it should and where it will go. Um, I mean, you've got all the vests as well that have all the force feedback there. So if you get shot or if someone's stroking you on the back or whatever it may be, you're going to feel that. And it, it's looking as though that will be the way that it goes. Certainly in the VR sphere. I mean, it, yeah. for everything else, I think for commercial kind of uses and the main, main uses, it's probably going to go in an augmented way because then you're able to see the real world and do this overlay. But for what virtual reality is, which is all about that immersion yeah. and all about just creating this... The, imagination in this different world then that's going to have to go down this this haptic kind of well yeah one, and that, like one suit kind of way mm, yeah, yeah. Well, i was just gonna say we're gonna be zipping up so i can i can now foresee that your your uh, truck that you're sorting out yeah. um now literally gonna be somebody gets up in a kind of like a morph suit it'll be like uh, be like power rangers won't it like climbing <laughs> zip yourself up hang off the bungees and away you go yeah absolutely yeah well this is it i mean we we hoping to create a you know a, a much larger space than the back of a truck but still on the back of a truck that can be driven around and, and found to people and those bungees are, are, are going to be yeah they're going to be amazing because i don't know if you've played a game called sorrento and you yeah. you're like a ninja um so you're a ninja with a, a gun and a sword and you're fighting all these robot ninjas so really cool i mean and you're jumping through the air and like in bullet time and stuff like that Slow motion if you're there on a bungee. Oh my god, it's, oh my god, it's like the Matrix. It is, it is oh, Matrix. I, I need this game. It is Matrix. In brackets, for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> perfect for therapy. And uh, yeah, but no, if you're flying through the air, you, you kind of want that experience at the same time when you're on the ground. And mm -hmm. this will be able to do that. You know, you're going to jump off and swing, and, and, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, that, essentially, that's what I'm trying to aim for in terms of a therapeutic uh, room. So it's, it's really looking like Kath just wants to build her own VR room, um, which might might also double up as a man cave kind of she shed version of whatever it is we name stuff now. Yeah. But that's what I would like to be able to do because I, I and this is where I see again kind of pointing back to my profession. If we can provide the technology that the children are using, we can then meet them where they are rather than us trying to go okay so tell me about what's happening this week well i was looking at a meme of it sorry what's a meme you know and that's that's what i'm finding a lot of the children will reflect back to me is they'll say you know my parents don't understand what what a meme is they don't understand when i'm talking about uh morphing when i'm talking about respawning when i'm and it's like a totally different language yeah but if if we can get into this world we can now meet children where they are yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I'm just like, and this is the way that we're going. You know, there's no, there's no more of this. Uh, somebody put the internet away, please. Yeah. Not going away. So this is the way technology is moving forward. And you know, this is why I've said to you that the the suits, um, the holodeck. I'm sat watching these large um, technological advances from people like Peter Diamandis and and so on and so forth. The technology is going there. Uh, you know, we've even got a university that's dedicated to this kind of stuff. Kurt, uh, yeah. 
Well, we, we've got the uh, San Francisco's got a VR institute as well that are yeah. doing some really cool stuff there. I mean, we got all of our. Um, there was a lot of work that they did on the actual calorific burn of certain games that we've been using for health and stuff. And they, they've gone through absolutely everything. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's people properly studying this. And it's the same thing that you were saying there, Kath, is um, meeting the kids halfway. So the kids are already there with the technology. They love it. They're able to get involved really yeah. quickly. From an older generation perspective, we're trying to learn the tech because obviously the internet got introduced as we were coming in. So it was like, oh, okay. Whereas, like you said, you've got kids as young as three, four, five, six, being able to just pick up an iPad and just being able to nail it through. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, okay, I need to change my whole mindset and I need to keep up with you. So if you can meet them halfway where you've got the kid in tech, you're on the outside of tech looking in, being able to help them. So you've mm -hmm. got middle ground where the kid doesn't have to go eye to eye with you because sometimes kids don't want to talk eye to eye yeah. with a person because they get that fear factor of, oh, I'm about to... I let out all my emotions and all the stuff that I'm thinking and what is this person going to be thinking of me while they yeah. start taking notes and all that kind of stuff and they're writing it down while I'm still talking. Whereas if you've got the headset on and you're talking naturally, if you're in this whole different world and your mind's able to just wander, then the person on the other side who's writing stuff down, they don't have that. Yeah. Why? Or this person's judging me. It's more of a free-flowing thought train of thought that's able to come yeah, up yeah freud freud called it free association <clears throat> and actually that's the that's the barrier that happens quite a lot in terms of um what will this person think of me if i say this yeah. whereas uh, yeah i absolutely i am so i'm so on board with kind of the way that you two think as well um i'm i'm kind of thinking now um what would i what would i really like people to know on the podcast and what would you really like people to know on the podcast so i'm just going to muse about that for a second what do you think people need to know about VR or? Oh, uh, for me, it's again, for me, it's all emotive. Um, people feel in terms of whatever they're going through, in, whether it's life getting you down and stuff like that, how that can kind of help, whether it's physical activity, you want to lose weight or you want to get a bit more of a healthier mind, healthier body, then VR can kind <laughs> of get you to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, music production and video, I suppose, is probably going to be a way of highlighting a lot of things, a lot of areas where, um, like, we've got a friend who's a videographer who wants to do um, a lot of stuff on the, the environment and refugee camps and then bringing that into VR so then you can experience it up close and personal. Yeah. That this is a walkthrough of a refugee camp. These are the emotions that people are feeling. So you can actually do that on VR and have a look around and go, oh, I feel it a lot more than I did looking at it on BBC for a two-minute um, advert. Yeah. Whereas you can kind of bring that in to kind of the everyday world where you can start putting videos to start putting VR into videos where you can really highlight some of the areas that really need to be addressed. Absolutely. So I know that Peter Diamandis has said um, that education will soon be in VR. You know, people yeah. won't go to a physical school. They'll go to a virtual reality school. But for, for that there... I'm just thinking about how quickly could we educate people about, you know, biodiversity, the way that the planet's changing. We could actually show them this is the world you're going to be in in 10 years if you don't pick the ideas up. Yeah. And that, that would be a way that people could go, whoa, because it would be like being in the room, wouldn't it? It would be like, here I am. Um, I don't kind of want to say, uh, you know, in a disaster movie, but pretty much that's what it would feel well, like. It's true, though. It really is true. I mean, the... 
I mean, I, I think it's really important that people just have a go and get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's just really important that people just get get used to this technology because they, the barrier that we've discussed beforehand is, you know, people don't want to put these headsets on. Sure, they are a bit large at the moment and clunky, but they're going to get smaller and actually they're not that bad at all when it's on. It, it looks bigger than it is because it's just some really good bit of kit that's there. And I think the more people that start having a go with it, the more of these really genius ideas that we're going to have and the more artistic type of people that we get involved there that start creating all of the stuff that, you know, all got the ability to create what they can, then that, that's going to be amazing. Well, my, my visions are, um, whilst, whilst I need to know kind of uh, what that game actually is that we talked about, uh, that you talked about earlier. Yeah, I'll find that. Um, in terms of another area in, in uh, psychotherapy and that, that I'm really interested in, would be a way that people can actually start to um, almost have a psychedelic experience so I know that there's lots and lots of work around psychedelics and trauma recovery. There's a lot of work about accessing um, kind of parts of yourself that you don't, don't know exist. Mm. And quite often, when I look at how that, how that appears in the world, it tends to be um, lots of cosmos-based imagery. So it tends to be like somebody will go up into, into space and they'll kind of float round a bit, a little bit like when I'm having a um, sensory deprivation float, you get a little bit of that effect. Okay, yeah. I, I'm kind of sitting there going, okay, so this sensory deprivation float that I do is a really good experience, and it's also really good for the parasympathetic system that I've got. It's a blah, blah, blah. If we could harness that and create a system where somebody could put a set of goggles on, put an ear, you know, put earphones in and do some breath work, and it would take them on a psychedelic experience, that's another way that we could kind of harness this technology with what's known about. Um, trauma recovery about somatics and about you know kind of the way that the way that we kind of access stuff when we're having a psychedelic experience and we can do a lot of that using our own bodies through breath work and so on and I'm like and then we could have the visual experience if somebody designs it of free floating in space so never mind about free association I'm kind of like yeah let's just go the whole hog and let's have free floating yeah that's, I mean, that's what I would like. I mean, with with the bungee type of things that we're talking about, you you could literally make it yourself zero gravity for that. I mean, yeah. you're not going to be, but you're going to be suspended and and really put yourself there. Yeah. Um, you don't need a holodeck for that, which is good. I'm uh, inside. I just went that's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's essentially where I think we could go in terms of. It's not. It's not even just about therapy. That's just about having an experience that our minds would absolutely be blown by wouldn't it It, absolutely what we can do with this technology now yeah i mean uh, to be fair what you just said there is is pretty much what i get in vr every single time it's Mm -hmm. just my mind being absolutely blown by this new world that i've wandered into i mean every time you, you play a new game you you never i mean i can never overestimate or underestimate the what the experience is going to be. I mean, it could be pretty pants, but if it is actually half decent, and it doesn't even have to be the best one you're doing, just half decent, hmm. I'm just that, amazed. Yeah. I found that with Everest. I was expecting a really good, yeah, it was a bit pants, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went, well, I've done Apollo, I'll do this, yeah. I quite... Air conditioning on. <laughs> halfway, halfway up, and I turned around, and I was like, it's not even feeling like I'm on a mountain. This is this is really quite depressing. You know, I'm yeah. I'm never going to go and put myself in that situation where I could die. Yeah. Um, but virtually, I could experience something that I will never actually physically go and do. Yes, 
No, yeah. I'm not at Middleton. I'm not going up to kind of put myself at the top of a mountain where the statistics are you might not come back down. No, sure. But, but there is something about... Oh, in fact, that's where my mind's just gone, actually. That would give people an experience of... So I was, I was just saying to you that um, I did whitewater rafting at the weekend. Yeah. Just think of the sports that somebody could do if they were disabled, if they had an injury, if that... That, that is such an experience for somebody, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, this is something that we're trying to drive in that's going to be part of like our arcade truck and whatnot. Because you, when you're in the virtual world, if you are playing the certain experience, then actually you can compete on a level playing field with a, an able-bodied person, with whatever the disability may be. Yeah. And we've been looking into like various rugby teams and football teams who can then play sports together in the virtual world and the disabled team and the uh, and the able-bodied team playing on the against each other on that level playing field. Yeah. The exactly same game that they've been doing. And there's a whole whole host of different experiences that we can do that. I mean, once again, with the bungee type aspects, then you, you can kind of take that kind of stuff out of it as well. I mean, you, if everybody's in that bungee, then, you know, people can carry on with it. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different ways to just, like, take away some of the pain or some of the the hindrance of the real world and then put in everybody on that level playing field in virtual world. Yeah, I just had a, a thing where I was going, my, my God, phantom limb issues yeah. might be something that could be worked with. And, and we, could probably, we could probably sit and go on and on and on and on about all of the different things this could get used for. Yeah. Um, and I think that would take us into at least a two, three hour episode. But <laughs> I, am, I am aware that you have uh, another appointment anyway james in terms of where you need to be disappearing off um how what would you like me to put in the show notes would you like kind of your instagram connections i'll put the website in i'll put um who you are on instagram for people to come and kind of contact you and also you know how can people book you in terms of bringing the lorry along sure i mean the website will be the best way to do it at the moment and via social media they're all all our channels we'll just be uh we're just going to be launching our new shiny new one which is going to be very nice and fun well, um, it's quite nice because it's you know it's animated it's... oh you like that one do you okay oh, i'm just well, saying it, it's quite nice so if this is shiny newer i'm <laughs> okay. oh my God, we've got some decent tech going on <laughs> yeah no we've got a lovely shiny new one now uh, which will be really good um but yeah i mean the, the truck in itself is still being built so you know that's going to be at a space coming soon um but yeah otherwise we want to hear from absolutely everybody about anything that they want to be doing because yeah. we are not restricted to just gaming um and, and and providing this as a fun alternative to people we really want to be exploring every avenue that we possibly can so i mean we're, we're obviously working with you and we're working with the the nhs in their intensive care units as well and at the same time we want to walk, work with the corporates and see how we can bring that into you know walking around certain buildings that they may never have seen before and just see as many different things and get as many different ideas as we possibly can so yeah, yeah just plug into the different industries as well because we've got yeah. things with that travel industry healthcare. So it's any different industry, I think, mm -hmm. that reality can really benefit within anything, really. Um, surgeons are using it to practice surgery, heart surgery before uh, they actually physically go in to actually do any traumas and you can practice all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That happens in an emergency. Yeah. Um, so for us, I suppose, any industry that has an, maybe not even an idea of how they'd like to utilise VR, but just they know that they'd like to do it in some form or another, away and we'll try and map it out and try and figure out how to do it for them yeah
there is there is a slight caveat that I'm going to put on the end of this one. Um, I will be speaking to somebody at some point about kind of how VR has entered into the pornography world because that's another that's another area. We're not going to go there on this episode. I can tell you that now. <laughs> um, but that's that's one of the things that you know. Again, my curiosity is how is that now going to be used? How will that um, kind of appear? What will that do for people in terms of um, use of pornography, children accessing it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I'm, I'm going to recommend people do get in contact with you because this is a brilliant um, way of team building. It's a way of kind of just getting people to disconnect from the stress yeah. and have a you know time out, time in, have a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it, yeah. it is. It is the most amount of fun I have ever had, and I'm continuing to have. Yeah. So you know, people just need to have a go. I mean, that, that's our main mission to get it out there with as many people as possible. Because yeah. the, there's going to be, you know, a handful of people that try this and go, "My God, I know exactly what to do here," and it's going to benefit the world no end. Yeah, and it, it is going to be that aha moment, isn't it? Somebody yeah. is literally going to have one experience and suddenly go, "Oh, this could be." Da, 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 da. Which yeah. is what happens every time I put the headset on is, um, I mean, apart from Beat Saber, which is the, the, you know, as I've said, it's the nemesis that keeps catching me out. But when I do other things, I'm like, oh, that could be used for, this could be used for, this could be helpful here. And, you know, the conversations that I have with the, the younger generation, oh, they're going to change the world with this technology. They really are. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've picked it up so, so quickly. We've been, we've been working with three, three four-year-olds. They stuck the headset on. They could do everything. I didn't yeah. have to tell them a single thing. They just click, 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 click. Well, yeah. actually, I was going to reflect to, to Nathan. When, when you were talking about the, the children, I had to go and do, as part of my training, something called baby observation. So I went and sat with a family, um, which was a very strange experience, actually, to sit and just watch a family, never speak to them. But I would, I would rock up uh, every week, and by seven months this baby was using the mum's um, phone and kind of knew, he knew automatically what to do. A, because he watched, but the way that technology is designed nowadays, if you think about kind of how things are set out, it's just so easy for children to go, oh, that's what you do. Yeah. It's the adults that go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you do this? Uh, yeah. Well, it's really easy. See that button there? Oh. Like <laughs> <laughs> an example, like my nan, um, Lauren species, she's 80 today. And happy birthday, she, now. <laughs> and she was going down the, the I was talking to her about chip and pin, but just being able to use your card as just being like tap it or use an ATM. And she was like, I'd never do it, I'd never use an ATM, I'd rather go to the bank, I'd rather have that physical kind of interaction, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But I guess it's the same thing with VR, a lot of people have that kind of disconnect of, Oh, I don't want to just use it quick and easy, but I want to, I want to try and. I don't want to be the trend. I don't want to be part of the trend. I want to just kind of mosey around it and try and avoid yeah. it if I can. Whereas what we're trying to say is that this is coming. It's going to be here. It's just definitely something that's going to be mm -hmm. helping that. So you might as well start to embrace it now in your little pieces here and there. So when you, when it actually does properly launch and it is like a big thing in everyday life, you're not, oh, my, my nan with the chip and pin and going, I don't want to do it. Yeah. really don't want to use that card yeah just get involved with it really yeah it is fear, yeah fear is i think that's one of the things we've talked about mind you that's what we're, we're going to kind of start addressing with those questionnaires is like what what is what is the fear that people have and then what changes after because yeah. I think something about fear then changes into excitement absolutely yes yeah. well it's what seems to have happened with oh let's have a go at it oh my god yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, it's the bungee jump experience, isn't it? You're there, stood there, just trying to make yourself as scared as possible and then being as scared as possible and then realising you're absolutely safe and had a great time. You know, it's all good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you there on the bungee jump idea. But, you oh, know, I loved it. I loved it. It's the, be- it's the best <laughs> thing I've done in the real world. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's a trust issue for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't trust the people. No. <laughs> That's probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm going to thank you for your time on on today. I think what have we done? Nearly an hour. So. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been yeah. interesting, as always. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.